This is the Troll Patrol. Live. With Justin. Freaking. I might have just took a gigantic pong rip and, like, destroyed my lungs. But welcome to the Troll Patrol Live. It's a freaking Monday. Ah. <laughs> uh. Good evening, everyone. Tones, Phoebe, Warlord, RB. Welcome, welcome. <laughs> okay, so Warlord, there's a fantastic uh, response to that. It was like the crack, the crackhead might actually know where my TV is. Crackhead be able to tell you which pawn shop you can go find your TV at. The, the, I'm just throwing TV out there. The example I saw was TV. Well, I also, I was, I was in a rush. I just ate a big old bowl of chili. Curious or made Chili. And, like, it was ready 20 minutes before the show. I'm like, I'm going to wolf down this big old bowl of chili. It was like, you know, trying to get the chili out of my teeth. And I sat down here. I was like, I'm going to take a bong rip. And uh, it didn't work out too well. Hope hope your, your lungs... Are full of smoke and your belly full of food and your and your coochie full of cum. I don't know. I don't even know. Still sick. At least that's what we're gonna blame it on. Coochie or 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 bussy, whichever one. Whatever whatever you prefer. <laughs> Hold on, I've, I'm not over on the, I'm not over on the on the screen where I can do a uh, a drop here. You live in sexual anarchy. You damn right I do. This is your meme of the day? Is the Tiger Woods and I, the other dude's name is John Daly, right? I think I'm right on that one. Guy in the colorful pants. For the people, the people on the podcast, you know the meme. Tiger Woods looking at the dude in the colorful pants. Tiger Woods side says, some guy at the bar bitching about preferred pronouns. John Daly side says, me referring to him as she, her the rest of the night because he doesn't believe in preferred pronouns. Confirmation, that is John Daly. Cool, cool, cool. Now, what are we talking about here on the show tonight? Hopefully, hopefully there's no breaking news because um, I put the show together about an hour, hour and a half ago, and then I took a shower, I ate chili. It, it, like, Russia used a nuclear weapon or anything in the last hour that I need to cover. You guys let me know. Otherwise, what we're going to be talking about tonight is how the Brazilian presidential election will be heading into a runoff. 
how the conservative party actually won way more power than they were expected to. We're going to move over to Europe where um, new Prime Minister Liz Truss not doing so hot. Her administration making a U-turn on a proposed tax cut for the rich people. We're going to take a look at the first day of the SCOTUS session. SCOTUS heard two different cases, one involving uh, Cole Baron Don Blankenship, another involving Mike Lindell. We're going to tell you how they ruled on that one, plus in a case involving the EPA... Judge Katanji Brown Jackson spars with Neil Gorsuch. And I have the audio for you. It took some digging to find it, but I have the audio for you. The problem was the entire session was online. It was finding the the spot in the audio or finding somebody that had just that spot in the audio. Took me a while, but I did it. A drudge has struck down a Montana voting law we're going to move to Georgia, where the investigation into Trump trying to steal the election has entered a new phase with new warrants issued. Found out today about more documents that Trump has yet to turn over. Staffers are not turning over things to the National Archives. Plus, Maggie Haberman is going to detail how Trump lied straight to her face. Recover how Trump is really going nuts. And how he's going to sue CNN. Plus, I'm going to show you a guy at a Trump rally over the weekend cry over his love of Rush Limbaugh. I wasn't expecting that one. I haven't even heard Rush Limbaugh mentioned in forever. As a conservative, it's getting harder and harder to not look like a kook. We're going to talk about Sashin Littlefeather. Um, I almost call her Littlefoot. Sashin Littlefeather has passed away. She declined an Oscar on behalf of Marlon Brando and raised uh, issues of representation and treatment of Native Americans. We're going to watch her speech from that Oscars. We're going to watch her get an apology from the Academy. That is going to be good shit. Plus, I've got video of Kanye West being the most Kanye West that Kanye West could possibly be. Just to give you an example of what you are preparing to hear from Kanye West, this was his attire earlier today at Paris Fashion Week. That is him with Candace Owens wearing shirts that say White Lives Matter. Man has won a Nobel Prize for discoveries of unlocking ancient DNA, so that's going to be really cool. We got wild video. I don't even know where it happened at. It was a soccer match. 170 people killed in a stampede through a stadium. Warlord, are you here? Where'd that happen at? Give, give me deets. You're the deets, ma'am. Uh, 
I don't even I don't even want to guess. I, I wanted to say Malaysia or something. I don't want to guess because I I don't fucking remember. 170 people died at least in a stampede, and we've got the video. We've got the video. Plus, I'm going to hit you with quite possibly the best political campaign ad of the season, and we have seen some bangers this year. But John Fetterman may may have topped them all. Wait till you see his newest ad taking down Dr. Oz. All that and more tonight on the Troll Patrol. I've still got something in my tooth and it's really fucking bugging me. And the way I made it sound, it sounds like I've got one tooth. There's just, there's shit in my one tooth. That's not true. Starting off tonight, let's talk about the Brazilian election. Where J.R. Bolsonaro and Lula da Silva... We'll go to a runoff that will happen on October 30th. Here, let me... Let me give you the actual totals here. Motherfucker, that's not the Google page. So Lula, 48.4% of the vote. J.R. Bolsonaro with 43.2% of the vote. That is 99% of precincts reporting. Neither man reaches the 50% threshold. The second round will take place on October 30th. Now this is somewhat unexpected. Polling was kind of showing that uh, Lula da Silva would win in the first round outright, but did not quite happen. Ray, good evening. Ida, welcome. Right wing wins in Brazil's Congress shows staying power of Bolsonaro. I don't know if I said that right. Bolsonarismo. I think they're trying to say, like, machismo with Bolsonaro, that kind of thing. Bolsonaro. Bolsonaro. I'm fucking, I'm not. I'm, I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit. The strong election night for allies of President J.R. Bolsonaro have given his party the most seats in both chambers of Congress, highlighting the enduring strength of this conservative movement, even as he falls short of re-election. His right-wing liberal party won 99 seats in the 513-member lower house, up from 77, and right-leaning parties allied with Bolsonaro now control half of the chamber. Oh my God, Ray... Twitter suspended me long before they suspended libs of TikTok. Wow. The bigger surprise in Sunday's voting was in the Senate, where Bolsonaro's party won 13 of the 27 seats up for grabs, with two more possible in second-round runoffs. Bolsonaro helped elect allies to the Senate who had trailed in opinion polls, such as former ministers 
Demares Alves and Paulo Puentes. Alves, an evangelical ally, defeated the Senate candidate from Bolsonaro's own party. Wild. Wild. But hey, people usually see what they get with conservative uh, politicians, and they usually see right through it. Not long. Not long after it happens. Kind of like with Liz Trust in fucking shit. Liz Trust in the UK. Who was already seeing a backlash with calls even from her own party. For her to be ousted. This is a month. A month. Since taking office. British Prime Minister Liz Truss has been forced into a humiliating U-turn over tax plans, just as her own party conference begins. On Monday, she dropped a move to cut the country's highest rate of income tax. The reduction was part of a wider growth plan that caused turmoil on financial markets and sparked a rebellion in her own party. Only on Sunday, Truss had gone on TV to defend the plan. But the following morning, Finance Minister Kwasi Kwarteng confirmed a change of direction. We just talk to people. We listen to people. I get it. We, we you know, not only uh, talk to people, we saw pe- uh, people's reactions. Uh, we were talking to constituents. We were talking to a whole range of uh, stakeholders. And we felt that the 45p issue, the 45p rate, uh, was drowning out a strong package of, of intervention on energy, Uh, a strong package of intervention on tax cuts for uh, people generally. Monday's move is unlikely to end all the government's troubles. The top tax plan accounted for only a sliver of tax cuts totalling £45 billion, or around $50 billion. Investors have expressed alarm over the scale of the move, sending the pound and UK bonds tumbling and forcing the Bank of England to intervene. Bond yields remain elevated, with ministers under pressure to explain how the tax cuts will be funded. Monday's news brought only limited relief for sterling, too. The pound was up around 0.5% versus the dollar in early trades. There you go, she's facing her own let's go Brandon thing. So Warlord explained to me how uh, elections work over there. Trust is... Uh, the one who can call an election. Apparently the conservatives can, you know, force her to step down and elect somebody else and they would become prime minister. Trust can call a snap election. Or um, if Trust does not call an election, there will be an election held by 2024. That is how the UK works. Because that was my first question is, is if the prime minister is the one in charge of calling an election and the conservatives are in charge of government, why would they call an election? There is a, a time period, there is an expiration on parliament, and I believe they have to hold an election within five years. So thank you, Warlord, for cluing me in on, on uh, that fact of British politics. Now on to the Supreme Court. Today they heard a case about Don Blankenship, who is a coal baron from West Virginia. I think he was even a candidate for Senate at one point in time. Supreme Court leaves Don Blankenship conviction in place. 
The Supreme Court says it won't review the conviction of former... Uh, let me make this bigger for you guys. That might be too big. The Supreme Court says it won't review the conviction of former Colt CEO Don Blankenship, who was found guilty of conspiring to violate safety standards at West Virginia's Upper Big Branch Mine before the 2010 explosion that killed 29 men. Justices said Monday that they would not take the case of the former CEO of Massey Energy, who spent a year in prison following his conviction, stemming from the worst U.S. coal mining disaster in 40 years. Only a year in prison for conspiracy to violate safety standards. My God. I'm I'm sorry, but that's that's not kicking authority in the balls. He's kicking authority in the balls. That's what we are pro kicking authority in the balls around here. Also today on the court's first day of its new term, they refuse to hear a case from Mike Lindell. Allowing a defamation suit to proceed, the Supreme Court says it won't intervene in a lawsuit in which Dominion Voting Systems accused Mike Lindell, Chief Executive Mike... I'm sorry. Hold on. I'm on crack, apparently. I I read that wrong. I was on crack. Right. Right. (laughs) (coughs) Right, right. You were on crack. The Supreme Court says it won't intervene in a lawsuit in which Dominion Voting Systems accused my pillow chief executive, Mike Lindell, of defamation for falsely accusing the company of rigging the 2020 presidential election against former President Donald Trump. As is typical, the high court did not say anything on Monday about the case in rejecting it among a host of others. Monday is the first day the high court is hearing arguments after taking a summer break. Dustin, media winch, love you guys. Thank you for being here. And now, this is an actual case that we heard oral arguments from today. And you are going to get to hear from the newest Supreme Court Justice, Katanji Brown Jackson. Jackson tangles with Gorsuch in her first oral argument appearance. Justice Katanji Brown Jackson made her first oral argument appearance on Monday in Sackett versus the EPA, the Supreme Court's first case of the term. It centers on whether certain wetlands warrant federal government protection. Jackson was a prominent voice in the proceedings and was unafraid to tangle with both of her fellow justices and the lawyers representing the Sacketts, the people trying to build on currently protected wetlands near Priest Lake in Idaho. In one exchange, she jumped in to rebut a lengthy cross-examination by Justice Neil Gorsuch. Gorsuch had been building the argument that property owners... Uh, bedeviled by the EPA standards under the Clean Water Act that grant some wetlands protection but not others, could be exposed to stiff penalties if they unknowingly build on protected land. So I'm not exactly sure that this is the the pertinent reference, but this is a section of Brown, I'm sorry, of Jackson, getting into it with Gorsuch. The issue, what Congress would have intended with respect to adjacency, and there was a regulation that defined adjacency to include neighboring. And as far as I know, Congress used the term adjacency and didn't adjust it to try to make clear the uh, touching requirement that you say uh, was intended by the term. Yes, Justice Jackson. 
Every single time that argument has been advanced by the government, it has been rejected by this Court. In Rapanos, the plurality opinion rejected outhand the idea that 404G represents a ratification of the Corps' broad understanding of adjacency. Justice Kennedy's opinion doesn't even, even give it consideration. Swank, for its part, said 404G is unenlightening as to the meaning of waters in the ice. All right, well, let me, let, me, let me try to bring some enlightenment to it by asking it this way. Um, you say the question is which wetlands are covered, which I agree with, but I guess my question is why would Congress uh, draw the coverage line between abutting wetlands and neighboring wetlands when the objective of the statute is to ensure the chemical, physical, and biological integrity of, of the nation's waters. So are, are you saying that neighboring wetlands can't impact the quality of navigable waters? Justice Jackson, not at all. However, it's also important to, to acknowledge that Congress was balancing concerns here. On the one hand, there is a water quality issue. But on the other hand, there's a very important federalism issue, so important that actually Congress put in the text of the Act that one of the purposes of the Act is to preserve traditional state authority over land and water resources. I didn't read that as a purpose. I mean, the Congress said our objective is to address or make sure that we maintain the integrity of the waters. It was one of the policies in achieving that objective that we care about states' rights but or federalism concerns. But I didn't see that as Congress's primary objective or even, you know, a main objective with respect to the Clean Water Act. So the graphic you see on screen currently explains why the wetlands are pretty important and why you might not want to try to reclaim them and build houses on them. Just pointing that out. There you go. The That is historic. You heard... The first oral arguments from the first black woman Supreme Court justice just now. Hella based. A judge in Montana. They they have not ruled on they are still in oral arguments on the EPA wetlands issue. We probably won't get uh the rulings come at the end of the session. So they're going to hear oral arguments throughout the session, and then we'll get rulings at the end. Montana judge knocks down Republicans' tighter voting laws. A Montana judge struck down as unconstitutional three laws that restricted voting in the state, saying there was no evidence of widespread voter fraud from the 2021 Republican-sponsored laws ostensibly were targeting. Laws ended same-day voter registration, imposed new identification requirements on students, and restricted third-party ballot collections. The restrictions were put on hold in April under a temporary injunction later upheld by the Montana Supreme Court. Election officials declined to say if they would appeal the latest ruling to the state high court, and with the election just over a month away, it's uncertain if justices would render a decision before November 8th. Native American tribes that sued over the laws argued the student ID and ballot collection measures would hurt voters on remote reservations where many people live far from polling places and are dealing with poverty and other challenges.
Speaking of uh, voter fraud, let's move over to a place where voter fraud actually occurred or attempted to occur in Georgia. Of course, it was Republicans doing it. Georgia election probe enters a new phase with search warrants. The Georgia prosecutor investigating whether former President Donald Trump and his allies broke the law trying to overturn his 2020 election loss in the state is seeking search warrants in the case, a sign that the wide-ranging probe has entered a new phase. The revelation came Monday in a court order filed by Fulton County Superior Court Judge Robert McBurney who's overseeing the special grand jury seated to help the investigation. In an order sealing any search warrants and related documents from being made public, McBurney wrote that District Attorney Fannie Willis' office is now seeking to obtain and execute a series of search warrants, the affidavits for which are are predicated on sensitive information acquired during the investigation. Disclosure of the information could compromise the investigation, McBurney wrote. By, among other things, causing flight from, uh, flight from prosecution, destruction of or tampering with evidence, and intimidation of potential witnesses could also result in risks to safety and well-being. Now, we've already seen them try to uh, intimidate witnesses in Georgia, and it was like Kanye West's personal assistant or some shit. Wild. American Patriot Eagle 1776. (laughs) Thank you for being a freaking follower. I hope you say some dumb shit. Or or you could you could be a satire account. Either way, we're happy to have you. For those of you who are new here, I would just like to summarize my political beliefs. I can do it easily with just one phrase. I would give anything, anything in the world to piss in Dan Crenshaw's open eye hole. All of my political beliefs are based on that one thing. Give me that eye pussy, sir. I knew it. It was satire. We're, we're, we're happy to have you here. American Patriot Eagle 1776. <laughs> Uh, it turns out that there is still missing uh, documents from the stuff that Trump turned over. Torn up Trump papers, missing Obama and Kim Jong-un letters, detailed in new release on White House documents. The National Archives and Records Administration released a small fraction of communications related to government documents removed by former President Donald Trump and his reported destruction of some White House records. The communications related to NARA's efforts to recover those documents, which included letters to Trump from former President Barack Obama and North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un. The Department of Justice is conducting a criminal investigation of Trump over the removal of government documents when he left office. Communications related to Nora's efforts to recover those documents included letters to Trump from former President Obama and Kim Jong-un. They also expressed the agency's concern about Trump's reported penchant for ripping up some documents he read in the White House. Other communications released Monday included correspondence between Nora and the House Committee on Oversight and Reform, 
Committee earlier this year asked David Ferrario, the archivist of the United States, for details about 15 boxes of presidential records that it had recently recovered from Trump's Mar-a-Lago Club residence in Palm Beach, Florida. We also found out from these filings that Trump staffers aren't turning over everything they're supposed to. Former President Donald Trump's administration has not turned over all the presidential records and national archives, uh, and the National Archives will consult with the Justice Department on whether uh, to move to get them back. Honestly, he was having a hard time flushing toilets because he was fucking throwing documents down. So we may yet st- still see another raid <laughs> on Trump because he's still got shit. Just go ahead and lock him up. I I don't expect that to happen before November, but damn, like he is doing everything he can. Because they, they don't want to arrest him. They have done everything in their power to be like, hey, dude, just hand over the documents. We don't want to make a spectacle out of this. But he is just basically spitting in their face and going, nah. Hey, I, I just, there, there's so much legal exposure here. I don't see how he gets out of it. I just, I don't know. Now let's hear from Maggie Haberman about how uh, Trump told her about how he found out about the insurrection. Did I not turn that shit? Maggie Haberman being a New York Times reporter. I also want to play another part of another interview that you did with him, which was about what he was doing on January 6th as the riot was happening. Here it is. But what were you doing when, when how did you find out that, that there were people storming the, the Capitol? I had heard that afterwards, and actually on the late side, I was... I was having meetings. Mm-hmm. I was also with uh, Mark Meadows and others. Mm-hmm. I was not watching television. I didn't have the television you on. You weren't, okay. Uh, I didn't usually have that te- the television on. I'd have it on if there was something. I then later turned it on, and I saw what was happening. I also... I don't, I don't believe this. I don't believe this at all. Now, remember this. You are hearing an interview from like three months later. This is three months after January 6th. So, we know now about the whole trying to uh, get the Secret Service to take him to the Capitol and shit, so I don't believe for a second that he didn't know what was going on. So had uh, confidence that the Capitol, who didn't want these 10,000 people... The Capitol Police, you mean. ...that they'd be able to control this thing Mm -hmm. and you don't realize that you know they they did lose control so much testimony since then maggie that he was watching tv yep brianna we've reported in real time cnn reported in real time new york times uh, and i reported in real time that he was watching television we were told it that day we were told it the days after the the public hearing held by the if i remember correctly he locked himself in like the dining area i believe 
and was just watching TV, like by himself for hours, if I remember correctly. House Select Committee investigating the January 6th attack has since established and documented that he was watching television. And again, it was another very interesting moment because my question was, what were you doing? Which at that time, Brianna, was it was a huge mystery, even with all of our reporting. There was nothing certain about it or said under oath. And his impulse was to insist that he wasn't doing what he has widely been reported to do. When you said that to him, when he said he wasn't watching TV and you said... Not high enough for this shit. Okay. Did you... Did you know at that time that he was lying to you? Uh, I assumed that this did not uh, necessarily comport with reality. It certainly did not comport with my understanding of it. But again, because we did not have House testimony, we did not have any of the the items that we now have in terms of people being under oath, it was less clear. And it it was still unclear exactly what he was claiming when he learned about it or how. But we have since heard testimony that he was very clear on what was happening throughout. Dustin. Oh well, my you know, God. Rev. That's exactly well, you know, right. When- it was Sleepy Joe's fault. No, 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 no. It was Obama's fault. Obama was the reason why. Obama failed to do anything about the security request to, to protect the Capitol. Thanks, Obama. Uh, here's another CNN piece where they're just talking about Trump going nuts and uh, being violent against McConnell and slinging uh, racist uh, epithets at his wife. You know, you know, just the usual CNN stuff. If it's going to play. Well, well, well. Oh, it could have been Clinton. It could have been Clinton, guys. We need to investigate her. She might have issued a stand-down order on January 6th. Told the Marines not to protect the Capitol. Lenny, good evening. My housemate, curious her. She loves her some Boston. I uh I don't I don't know why this is not wanting to play. Oh well. Because Donald Trump says it so much that is well outlandish, there's a tendency to roll your eyes or laugh off any one of his proclamations, or to ignore them entirely because Trump is just being Trump. This is a coping mechanism to deal with a prominent political figure who has no internal limit or Yeah, internal limit on what he says, when, and how. And for the most part, it's a smart strategy. Most of what Trump says is ephemeria, easily dismissed. Ephemera, ephemera, ephemera. I did say that right, I'm pretty sure. God damn it. Don't use Microsoft Edge ever. It sucks. Don't go to the CNN website, apparently, because it won't play you the video for you. Ephemera. There we go, yeah. Things that exist or are used or enjoyed for only a short time. Sounds like an ED pill. <laughs> Mandy, good evening. Ephemera. You live in sexual anarchy? For people who live in sexual anarchy and can't get it up. Yeah, I was just going to play that CNN clip just because... It was going to be my transition to Trump sues CNN. 
In the last couple hours, this story broke. Former President Trump sued CNN on Monday for alleged defamation and is seeking at least $475 million in damages. Trump has had a contentious relationship with the press, especially CNN, during his time as a candidate and elected official and has bashed the news organization as fake news and enemy of the people. The complaint, which was filed in a U.S. district court in Florida, claims CNN has tried to taint Trump using defamatory language as part of a concerted effort to tilt the political balance to the left. CNN has tried to taint the plaintiff with a series of ever more uh, scandalous, false, and defamatory labels of racist, Russian lackey, insurrectionist, and ultimately Hitler, the complaint reads. CNN has used language like Trump's big lie, referring to his claims that the 2020 election was stolen with reckless disregard for their truth or falsity. What lawyer did he get to even file this lawsuit? Come on, man. I wish these people could feel embarrassment. Oh, it's going to get thrown out immediately, but this is just another... I, I don't... He probably fundraised off of it, if I had to guess. Because we played the video of him begging for money last week. So, Help Me Sue CNN is a fantastic way to get his idiot Mark followers to hand over more money. Now we're going to uh, take a look at this video from the Trump rally that happened yesterday. Where, uh... Apparently, he was very upset about Rush Limbaugh. Limbaugh was such a pivotal part of patriotism in America. And when he lost, when he died, it was part of our soul was taken. You know, like a like. family member. Yeah, yeah. I listened to Rush for thirty years. I'd go out hot, cold, stay in my car. People knew where I was at noon. I was out listening to Rush, and um, on my last day of work is the day he died. It was a very emotional thing for me. But you know. I started watching Steve, and, and, and the information that he gave, he's like my new Rush Limbaugh. Wow. You know, the whole, and, and the whole Real America Voice family. Wow. Um, I are watching Steve, Steve who? The, the truth, the honesty, and, you know, you guys are what our go-to now. And so um, I appreciate you guys very, very much. You know? Buddy, you should have listened to what Rush Limbaugh said on one of his last shows, the last couple months of his life. As a conservative, it's getting harder and harder to not look like a kook. You look like a kook, dude. You look like a kook. Remember a couple weeks ago when they dropped the migrants off in uh, Martha's Vineyard? They're close to you, Lenny. Closer to you than uh, than me. Mysterious woman who allegedly helped DeSantis lure migrants to Martha's Vineyard flight identified. Perla Huerta is a former U.S. Army counterintelligence agent and combat medic specialist. Did she meet 
DeSantis when he was serving or something? A former counterintelligence agent and combat medic specialist in the U.S. Army helped Florida Governor Ron DeSantis arrange migrant flights from Texas to Martha's Vineyard. The woman, who was identified by the New, uh, the New York Times and CNN as Perla Huerta, was accused of luring 48 migrants onto two private planes in Texas, making false promises about offering asylum seekers expedited work permits, housing, and cash assistance. But instead, dozens of migrants were left to fend for themselves and were later moved to a military base shelter at Cape Cod. And I, I do not understand all the right-wingers. It's like, well, they kicked them out. They kicked them out. They deported them. Cape Cod has a barracks, dude. With, you know, housing and, and uh, showers and kitchens and shit. Where, where people can, you know, actually live. Where, where else would you put them? Attorneys for the migrants have filed a class-action lawsuit for defrauding vulnerable immigrants by making false promises and misrepresentations to advance a political motive. The lawsuit was filed against DeSantis, Florida Department of Transportation Secretary Jared Perdue, the state of Florida, and the State Department of Transportation. Once the attorneys confirmed Perla's identity, they said they will also add her to the lawsuit. Good. The lawsuit alleges that Huerta gathered the group to have them sign a document in order to receive a $10 McDonald's gift card and did not explain what the document stated. An entire paragraph about liability and transport was not translated at all and language specifying that the journey would take place from Texas to Massachusetts was not translated at all either. And remember, as we heard from the immigration attorney at Martha's Vineyard, they falsified documents for them. Many of them had uh, court appearances in other parts of the country. One was supposed to appear in Washington State on Monday after being dropped off at Martha's Vineyard on Thursday. And I'm sure I'm sure these people are Christian too. Huerta served in the U.S. Army for more than two decades with several deployments to Iraq and Afghanistan. He was discharged in August and lives in Tampa, Florida. A man who called himself Emmanuel told the San Antonio Report that Perla said she wanted to get migrants to sanctuary states where more government support would be available to them. These people... Speaking of shitty-ass Florida politicians, Senator Marco Rubio is under fire from a daughter of a freed Venezuelan. Apparently, uh, Rubio bashed a prisoner exchange that brought her father home. So here she is on CNN telling her story and... uh, Letting Marco Rubio have it. Who were wrongfully detained in Venezuela are back in the United States. President Joe Biden announcing Saturday the return of the hostages. Five of them were part of the so-called Sitgo Six. They were our oil executives who were detained for more than four years. They were freed in exchange for the release of two nephews of Venezuela's first lady. They were convicted on drug charges. Well, I didn't know they were oil executives. That makes things a little different. 
I'm I I might not have uh, had the inclination to celebrate them being freed had I known who they were. All of these releases adds to the growing list of American hostages freed under the Biden administration. Joining me now is Alexandra Forsyth. Her dad, Illyrio Zambrano, and uncle Jose Luis Zambrano were among the seven released from Venezuela. Alexandra, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We, of course, are, are thrilled um, that you are getting your father uh, and, and uncle home. Tell us about that moment that you learned uh, that they were being released. It was like the biggest relief and feeling of euphoria that like I could ever describe. Um, I had ironically uh, turned my phone off for like 30 minutes to go do some exercise and get my mind off of things. And of course, in that 30 minutes, we were finding out about what was happening. So once I turned my phone back on and and got back to it, um, my brother-in-law called me and I was actually just like on a sidewalk and I like fell over just crying and tears of happiness. So it was you know, maybe not where I wanted to find out, but I was so thankful. Sky um, it. Good evening. I've just been thankful ever since. It's been amazing. Did you know this was in the works? Did you, did you know that this news was going to be coming? We had some sense among the families uh, in the morning that something was off. Some communications uh, maybe that we regularly get from our family members, etc. Some things seemed a little off. Um, some food deliveries, whenever we made the food deliveries where the guards were saying that they were no longer there. So um, it was several hours of uh, a lot of confusion and concern and hope. Um, so, you know, we were so relieved to find out that this time they were really coming home. What has it been like for your family to have your father and your uncle not just away, but in captivity for all this time? Oh, God. Um, It's just been like one of the most traumatic things you could imagine. Um, Not only are you just worried about their health and safety every single day, their their literal life, but then you're trying to actually get them out of there and become an activist and a media person. Um, So it's been uh, quite a, a trial and tribulation, but I'm just so thankful that We were able to get them home finally, um, you know, with the help of President Biden and um, Ambassador Carson. So I'm just beyond thankful for that. Ambassador Carson is in charge of uh, the office known as SPIHA, the State Department, who negotiates these releases. Um, Alexandra, you have been able to see your father. He's he's at a hospital right now. But has he discussed with you in that limited time that you've you've seen him how he was treated and, and, and what the conditions were in captivity? You know, um, we did get to see him for about an hour yesterday, which was extremely amazing. And and it was longer than I thought I'd get because um, of the medical treatment and um, program that they're they're a part of right now uh, to help. I I would just like to bring up the fact that Brittany Griner is still incarcerated. But also, I did not know this fact that Biden has been working on freeing detained Americans. That's super fucking cool. I'm behind that. That is that is a W in the Biden column. Please bring Brittany Griner and I always forget his name. The teacher that is also imprisoned in Russia. Please bring them home. 
Sky Comet, Sky Comet. Yeah, like stick with us for just like just a little bit. We we got the fun shit coming right at you here in just a moment. You know, get them back into normal life here. So we wanted to be mindful of that. But um, you know, I can tell you that <laughs> I think the past twenty four to forty hours have been just as crazy for him as it has been for us. Um, I think he. He's a man of faith, and I think he has a lot of trouble, you know, condemning others for for what he's gone through, and and he's trying to focus on on the gratitude of, of being home. But I, I could. The reason we're watching this is because Marco Rubio actually opposed this. He, um, you know, discussed even the final moments of trying to get on the plane to come mm-hmm. here. You know, he was in shackles. His he was bound. They, um, you know, treated him like a prisoner until the very last moment. So. Um, you know, I think he's very happy to be home and uh, here with us. And as we noted, um, these men, these Americans uh, held hostage, were released as part of a swap. Two of the nephews of the, the First Lady of Venezuela were uh, handed back in exchange. This is what Florida Senator Marco Rubio had to Is that who these people are? They were sit-go executives. I don't think they were the, the people trying to do the coup. They were sit-go executives. And that's why, like, after I heard that, I'm like, maybe you should have been in prison there, sir. To say about this exchange. Let's take a listen. Every time you do one of these deals, and I wanted those people released as much as anybody, but every time you do this, now others know I can take Americans, I can hold them until I need something as a bargaining chip. So what that has done is now sent a message to tyrants and dictators all over the world to go ahead and trump up some charges and arrest some Americans because when the time comes, we'll be able to exchange them. So I think seven innocent American hostages in exchange for two convicted drug dealers who happen to be the nephews of Maduro is a huge win for Maduro and unfortunately puts Americans all over the world now in danger. Alexandra, what do you feel when you hear that from Senator Rubio? I find that those comments were extremely unhelpful and misinformed. He is, uh, I'm disappointed that, that a, a leader in our country is perpetuating this myth that, um, getting yeah, American, American. actually puts Americans. At- I was, I was like praising Biden. And then when I, when they said sit, go executives, I'm like, Oh, Oh, hold on. <laughs> hold on. Risk. Um, and, and you know what I would ask? Also uh, welcome. My Senator friend Rubio is, um, you've supported, getting them home. You have done absolutely nothing for me or my family or most of these men and any of the families could tell you that. And he even had a constituent from his state that was released. And um, I would ask, what did you do for his family and how have you been supporting them? And have you checked in on them instead of pandering to um, your constituency? I found his comments unpatriotic and unhelpful. Well, Alexander Forsyth, we have to leave it there, but of course we are so happy. So, in other words, fuck you, little Marco. Also, Sky Comet, I'm really sorry. I said, I said, like, we're to the fun stuff. No, unfortunately, I gotta hit you with something incredibly dark. Probably one of the darkest things you could possibly hear. Before we can get to the fun stuff. Both stories are Dr. Oz. <clears throat> so, remember back when the right wing went nuts over Fauci accusing him of funding these these experiments on beagles and it, it turned out like he like was tangentially a fucking aware of it and it was like six degrees of separation from 
the 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 NIH and shit. Apparently, Dr. Oz's scientific experiments killed over 300 dogs. So where are the right-wingers getting upset over Dr. Oz now? Real Papa Hoon verified. What is up, Hoon? Did you, are you, are you, did you name yourself after like Shannon Hoon of, of Blind Melon or is that just the only Hoon I've, I've, I've heard of? That's just what my mind goes to being a 90s kid. Dr. Oz's scientific experiments killed over 300 dogs and an entire litter of puppies. Columbia's internal investigation found that Oz's research team inflicted extensive suffering on canine test subjects in violation of the Animal Welfare Act. A scandal that will surely make Mitt Romney, who famously strapped his family dog atop the roof of his car for a road trip, look like a PETA activist. Also, PETA, not good people. Not good people at all. Look into PETA. A review of 75 studies published by Mott Met Oz between 1989 and 2010 reveals the Republican Senate candidate's research killed over 300 dogs and inflicted significant suffering on them and the other animals used in experiments. Oz, the New Jersey resident who is currently running for U.S. Senate from Pennsylvania, was a principal investigator at the Columbia University Institute of Comparative Medicine Labs for years and assumed full scientific, administrative, and fiscal responsibility for the conduct of his studies. So, the Fauci thing was just six degrees of separation, some money from the NIH, wound up in a roundabout way in some fucking research. This was Oz, like, signing off that he was he was the uh, buck stops here main man in charge of this. Assumed full scientific, administrative, and fiscal responsibility for the conduct of his studies. Over the course of 75 studies published in academic journals reviewed by Jezebel, Oz's team conducted experiments on at least 1,027 live animal subjects that included dogs, pigs, calves, rabbits, and small rodents. 34 of these experiments resulted in the deaths of at least 329 dogs, while two of his experiments killed 31 pigs and 38 experiments killed 661 rabbits and rodents. Well, there you go. Now I kind of hate to, now I kind of hate to be like, let's have some fun at Dr. Oz's expense. John Fetterman just dropping the nail in Oz's coffin today with his newest campaign ad. This may be this may be my favorite campaign ad of the season, and there have been some bangers this Hi year. Hi everybody! Everybody, with my diet, you can eat all you want, anytime you want. And you lose weight? Uh, you might. It's a free country. I've got the number one miracle in a bottle to burn your fat. Lose fat without diet or exercise. To burn stomach fat instantly disappears. I recommend a slow, steady gorging process combined with acyl horizontology. 
Garcinia Cambogia extract. Crystal sonic therapy. C. Buckthorn. Dr. Nick, this malpractice committee has received a few complaints against you. Dr. Oz being sued for advice he gave to viewers who struggle falling asleep. Dr. Oz is being accused of promoting quack treatments by some top physicians. Are you looking for a way to slash the cost of your medical expenses? How much would you pay for a pill that takes your body back 10 years? Call 1-600-DOCTORB. The B is for bargain. His empire and wealth have flourished. The most rewarding part was when he gave me my money. Bye-bye, everybody! And then the music at the end, the production cover, whatever it is, God, that, that just, mwah, mwah, Cicero, good evening, I got a smoky in my lap, Cicero, did you see that ad, did I, do I need to play it again, we're gonna watch it again anyway, fuck. Bobby. Everybody, with my diet, you can eat all you want, anytime you want. And you'll lose weight? Uh, you might. It's a free country. I've got the number one miracle in a bottle to burn your fat. Lose fat without diet or exercise. Stubborn stomach fat instantly disappears. I recommend a slow, steady gorging process combined with acyl horizontology. Garcinia Cambogia extract. Crystal sonic therapy. C. Buckthorn. Dr. Nick, this malpractice committee has received a few complaints against you. Dr. Oz being sued for advice he gave to viewers who struggle falling asleep. Dr. Oz is being accused of promoting quack treatments by some top physicians. Are you looking for a way to slash the cost of your medical expenses? How much would you pay for a pill that takes your body back 10 years? Call 1-600-DOCTORB. The B is for bargain. His empire and wealth have flourished. The most rewarding part was when he gave me my money. Bye-bye, everybody! This is an official ad that dropped today. John Fetterman is murdering Dr. Oz. <laughs> and then Dr. Oz not doing himself any favors by just making Fetterman sound like so badass. He's kicking authority the balls. <laughs> oh, shit. All right, when we come back on the other side of the break, we're going to watch a video of 170 people killed in a stadium stampede. We're going to talk about a man that got a Nobel Prize for unlocking secrets of ancient DNA. I'm going to play a video of Kanye being the most Kanye that Kanye could possibly be. And then we're going to go into the history of Sasha Littlefeather. We're going to watch her speech where she uh, declined the Oscar on behalf of Marlon Brando. We're going to watch the Academy apologize to her. She has passed away, so this is a great chance to go back and actually get the history. So all that and more on the other side of the break. You're on the Troll Patrol. Live.
So apparently McDonald's bringing back adult Happy Meals or is making adult Happy Meals. <laughs> Curiouser had one earlier. Uh, I, I, I vaguely knew about it because of the Saturday Night Live skit. Where Grimace was buff and came out of the closet as bi. Apparently Grimace is a butt plug in this uh in this happy meal. I miss Sparkles. I know, she cracked me up. Don't don't watch the Saturday Night Live skit from this week. Like that that fucked with me a lot. Not that I have like childhood memories, some affinity for Grimace. I never liked McDonald's. My and this is wild. This 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 is probably the Sparkles always used to talk about how I had childhood trauma. And like the more that I think about it, it probably is like my mom, but it's not trauma in like the the sense of the normal sense of trauma. But like this is one of the things that that my mom, like, really fucked me up about is, like, she would never let me go to, like, fast food. She would never take me to fast food. Always cheaper at the house, and it's better tasting, and it's better for you. We don't do fast food. You know, like, every once in a while, you know, we're on a trip, we're coming back from somewhere. Like, it was, like, a treat to stop and get fast food. Like, never, never, like, regularly ate it. Never regularly ate processed food either. My mom was always like, you'll thank me when you're an adult. You you not have this processed food. No, now I'm a food snob. (laughs) Now I'm a food snob and I can't eat any kind of uh, shit like that without it just like making me feel like shit. So that's just these neuroses that, that my mom put into my head. Weird shit like that. Whoa! Does, well, I, I I I love this when I when I just catch like a half a message. At work one guy started uh, talking about these. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. What the adult Happy Meal? I don't I don't remember what Curiouser said she thought of it. Hold on, hold on, let me go ask her. She didn't get the toy she wanted. She wanted she wanted the grimace and she got some ripoff Ronald and then she said the food was McDonald's. The fries were cold. 
What's what's the difference with the adult Happy Meal? I don't. Do you get, do you get more food? Do you get like a, a, a twelve piece nugget? Content warning for this one. Uh, I gotta figure out where this happened. In Malang, Indonesia. This is a football match in Malang, Indonesia. The match between Arima FC and Persbaya Surabaya. It was a very emotional one. The two teams have always been rivals at the end of 90 minutes. Persbaya won 3-2. This has not happened in 20 years. The crowd poured onto the pitch and during this collective madness destroyed the stadium and the city leaving more than 170 people dead. Wow. So I'm not so sure that it was the the football fans that were celebrating that actually caused the the deaths. It looks like the military trying to crack down on them is is what might have like been the root of the the violence. <laughs> Mansoor. Well, my, my, my first inclination hearing the story was that the two team fans got into it and got rowdy, but that doesn't seem to be what was going on. It was just the fans of the team started celebrating, got real out of hand, and then the the... Looks like the Indian military tried to crack down on it. Or Indonesian. I'm sorry, not Indian. Indonesian military tried to crack down on it, and that probably escalated it. Well, it got him off the field real fast. At least 125 people were killed in a stampede following a soccer game in Indonesia. The tragedy occurred after a game between two teams on the island of Java. Fans in Malang rushed the field after the team lost the match. CBS's Elizabeth Palmer has more. Oh, wait. I was under the impression they were celebrating the team losing the match. Because it said the 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 team had never won in the twenty years. 
Titans furious that their team, Arima, had lost, poured onto oh. the field at Kanjurahan Stadium in eastern Java. And then mayhem as police chased them with batons and tear gas, which is banned indoors under international rules. Some fans attacked a police vehicle. And there was well, a good on them. for the exits. Those who could help the injured outdoors to ambulances, but 34 people were trampled to death in the stadium. The rest died in the hospital. Muhammad Rian Duikayono survived with a broken arm, telling reporters there was tear gas everywhere. The cleanup after one of the deadliest soccer disasters ever included cars burned out when rioting spread before the violence subsided. As family. But I love how uh, I love how soccer riots are are so common. It's just one of the deadliest ever. And soccer fans, they get they get real emotional. Families waited outside the morgue. Pope Francis offered prayers for the victims at his weekly blessing. Funerals have already begun. This one for two brothers, just 14 and 15. I would, I would assume it has a lot to do with a lack of, you know, infrastructure, the military, the military police, whatever that was that we watched, you know, uh, using a heavy hand. Like, all of that just compounded the situation. When I say a lack of infrastructure, I mean, like, when you go to an event at a stadium here in the U.S., they're, like, very well put together logistically. I'm not so sure it's that way. It's more of a free-for-all getting into a, sta- a stadium in other countries. Kind of what I mean. Uh, the, the, the people putting these events together tend to uh, try to do it, like, the most efficiently, getting people in and out. You'll still get stuck on top of the parking garage for a few hours, though. That's enough. That's enough of the tragic shit. Ladies and gentlemen, it's really great to. This is a Nobel Prize winner. The Nobel Assembly at Karolinska Institute has today decided to award the 2022 Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine to Svante Pebel for his discoveries concerning the genomes of extinct hominins and human evolution. Evolutionary anthropology in Leipzig in Germany. A new way of addressing these intriguing questions. Our cells contain DNA in two different compartments. The nuclear genome, which would allow in-depth analysis and comparisons across multiple genomic regions. The Svante Pebo has discovered the genetic makeup of our closest relatives, the Neanderthals and the Denise of our hominins, human beings, hominins. And the small differences between these uh, extinct uh, human forms and us as humans today will provide important insights into how our body functions and how our, our brain has developed and uh, so forth. Prizes carry a cash award of 10 million Swedish kroner, nearly $900,000, and will be handed out on December 10th. So, 
fascinating discovery there. Search and Unlock rescue the, Florida. Unlock the secret of prehistoric DNA. Cool. But that dude is not a genius. No, 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 no. A real genius would be one Mr. Kanye West. Nobel Prize winner unlocking the secrets of ancient DNA? No, 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 no. That is not a genius. Kanye West, a true genius. Kanye plays James Blake collaboration, wears White Lives Matter shirt at Paris Fashion Week show. (laughs) The Anti-Defamation League considers White Lives Matter to be a hate slogan. Kanye West is at Paris Fashion Week. First, he walked the runway for Balenciaga. He then presented his own Yizen 9 fashion show. At the show, West wore a long sleeve t shirt with the phrase, White Lives Matter. So here is Yay on the Runway. On the Run Yay. On the run, yay. And seriously, fashion. Fashion just boggles my mind. They're in a mud pit. For those of you watching this. <laughs> and he he has like baggies on his shoes because they're in a mud pit. Like, I'm as artsy-fartsy as they come. I took classes in the art department at at my college. I don't get that. Why would you... Why would you make a mud pit? And, and what... Like, he is walking through puddles. I mean, he's got some catchy songs. You can't deny that he, he makes some... Apparently, I, every time I bring up beats I really like, everybody's like, no, 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 that was actually somebody else made that beat, so maybe, no, no, no. But, like, he's been involved with some catchy fucking songs. But when left to his own devices, he's he's not all that good. The last album I actually listened to and enjoyed anything off of was the one, like, 2016, but even it was kind of like, I like that one song. This is the speech he gave today. This is what we're really looking forward to. On season four, my show started late. And that's what the press is about. Uh, Now the show is starting late. Now I've been in fashion for a while, and I've seen a lot of shows start late. But after my season show started late, season four show started late, the press completely killed us. In the middle of the Louis Kahn Kahn Island, there were countless, like, swimsuit... And And the flip-flops looked to be diamond encrusted. There were colorways. There were sizes of boots. If anyone remembers that show, people were falling over in that show. And that's what the press wrote about. 
A week after that show happened, my wife at the time got robbed right here in Paris. <laughs> then I told my manager at that time, Scooter Braun, that I just wanted to, I just wanted so this is just a, a uh, Kanye West airing of the grievances. I wanted to go to Japan. I just needed a break. And he said, no, you need to go make more money. So we need to do a second leg of the tour. And that tour lasted for four days. And I went to the hospital. DeSantis. Every time I do something great, someone brings up that moment for the rest of my life. It's the ultimate stigma. People feel like they have the right to come to my face and call me crazy. Like it doesn't hurt my feelings. Or like you don't have to be crazy in order to change the world. People talked a lot of mess about the Tommy Tom photo. I feel like people remember that Tommy Tom photo. And there was a friend of mine that was in that photo that's not here anymore. But in that photo, this really is just him complaining about like the way the media like he. That's why he is so attracted to the right wing. It's just grievance politics. Creating and to be a part of something. We have me. We have Shane Oliver. We have the kids that didn't make it into the house here tonight, and we start. I'm not high enough for this shit. Yeah. 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 Now, sometimes a cut could be slightly off, a stitch could be slightly off, but we did change the look of fashion over the past 10 years. Does this seem kind of cultish to you guys? The streets. We are the culture. And we will not be bullied or treated differently than you treat any other fashion show. It kind of has the, if you've ever seen the uh, the Apple 1984 commercial, kind of has those vibes to it. This is something that you will not be able to un-Google. <laughs> I am Yay. Yes. And everyone here knows that I am the leader. Come on now. Did he just say everyone here knows I am the leader? Cause I just I just made the comment that this felt kind of cultish. Culty. That I am the leader. Come on now. Yeah. When we went to Gap. Colorways wouldn't come back. A pant would be missing. A store in Atlanta wouldn't open. And it felt like we were just there to be slowed down. But there's no slowing us down now. We have nothing to lose and only everything to gain. And I don't want any of y'all to talk to me about pain. That rhymed. He wrote this out, didn't he? I remember when me and Matt Williams and Mel were styling Rihanna. 14 years ago? I love it. (laughs) (laughs) But tonight, let's just celebrate. Let's just enjoy this new frontier. 
The idea behind this collection is everything is pull on and pull over. This is the idea of supply. Everything is pull on and pull over. Yes, I forgot this was about fashion. This is him speaking at a fashion show for his brand. It's all been about how he's been maligned by the media and how he has a lot of problems with you people and you need to listen to Ye, who is the leader. Fucking weird. Fashion has had a tendency to be extremely classist. To say that if you weren't pretty enough or didn't have enough money or He just said fashion has the tendency to be extremely classist as he stands up there in diamond encrusted flip flops. Or born into money or weren't scamming that you can't afford his cut. When I was at the Gap, Demna made a cut of a t-shirt. The Gap took the exact colorway and made the cut that they felt was at the bottom of the Maslow hierarchy and need chart. The people in the boardroom felt like they knew what the people in the streets wanted. And this is what we thought. If he's taking smart pills, he needs to discontinue it. You know, I wonder if Elvis Presley had an Instagram, would he have been able to perform in Paris? And not be held back by his vanity. You can't manage me. If Elvis Presley had an Instagram, would he have been able to perform in Paris? And contain his vanity? And not be held back by his vanity. Not be held back by his vanity. You can't manage me. Yes. <laughs> this is an unmanageable situation. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he's trying to kick authority in the balls. He's kicking authority in the balls. Or so he thinks. There he is, dressed like Fetterman there. You can't turn the music lower. This is a God's dream. A dream that can't happen without the help of God. The journey. The people who believe early. The people who sat in my car and listened to the early versions of Jesus. When we moved to Paris. We were never given a factory. And I'm going to tell you, like I said, but I want to make it clear to you guys. Bernard Arnault is my new Drake. <laughs> well, there's one of the most batshit crazy things you're ever going to hear in your life. So Kanye West, James Blake, always. I guess it's a song. I'm not going to be able to play that. I'll get, I'll get, I'm already skating close enough to the copyright. I bet the Simpsons are going to get me on this. Fuck, if the Simpsons are going to get me, let's go ahead and play the Kanye thing. Is it at me? I know you're angry. Is it at me? <laughs> 
I haven't got my 14 cents from YouTube the last couple nights. Antonio Inoki did indeed get claimed by the WWE. Honestly, Dustin, that sounded like the warm-up to Trump taking stage. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if Trump would let Kanye be his warm-up act because, like, Kanye would upstage him. Like, Trump would be like, no, 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 we can't have Kanye speak. Like, nobody can out-crazy me. See, like the, the Kanye singing always there, that's really pretty. That could be something. The man's got fucking talent. Oh, no, like I, I can't see DeSantis. Uh, like, he wouldn't want to be associated with a rapper. Herschel Walker, maybe. That'd be perfect. Yep, there you go. And I think Ye has ties to Georgia, doesn't he? Because he keeps going to the stadium there. And, like, he locks himself in the stadium. I guess you could rent out rooms and shit. And he makes music in the stadium in Atlanta. And then we know about Kanye's personal assistant trying to intimidate a poll worker in Atlanta. Or... In Georgia. I don't remember if it was in Atlanta. So I guess Kanye has some kind of a a tie to Georgia. Where's the mud pit at? Now see, I I thought this was going to be a live performance, but fucking he's not even performing live. They've got Kanye there. They're debuting this song. It's not even Kanye doing it live. What a letdown. Sheila E. wouldn't do us like that. Remember? Sheila E. saved the night. We were watching that musical performance from the the what, Conference of Americas or whatever it was. And it sucked ass. And then all of a sudden we got Sheila E. And she blew the fucking roof off the place. If Sheila E. doesn't come out and start playing some fucking drums... I am disappointed in this performance. We've seen some cool musical performances here on the Troll Patrol. We watched Lady Gaga do the uh, what national anthem. Yes, this is this is Kanye's fashion brand, apparently. <laughs> I, as I said, I'm I'm as artsy as they come, and this stuff just doesn't make sense to me. As a creative, I feel like this is a rich people thing. It's not. This isn't a creative people thing. This is a rich people thing. I, that, that's why that world just like I don't know. What you what you think of this Kanye song? 
I'm like that dude, like it's just a hoodie and it's something over his who would ever wear anything like that? It looks like some NPC you would face off. All of these look like NPCs you would face off with in a video game. Like a, in a, like a watchdogs that's set in the future or some shit. <laughs> hey, yeah, you might be able to sell that to a January 6th rider. That might be possible. Maybe, maybe you're on to something, Dustin. <laughs> is that who this is marketed towards? All right, now we're going to pay tribute to a badass. Passed away. I hate to do, I hate to do, uh, people passing away two nights in a row. Last night we did, uh, Antonio Inoki. Tonight is Shashin Littlefeather. Here is the Guardian piece on her life. I was the first woman of color the first Native Indigenous woman to ever make a political statement in the history of the Academy Awards. Was famously known for declining Marlon Brando's Oscar for The Godfather. Very regretfully, cannot accept this very generous... We're going to watch this speech in full here in just a and second. the reasons for this being are the treatment of American Indians today by the film industry. Excuse me. They are booing her. The Academy issued a formal apology to Littlefeather almost 50 years later. We're going we're gonna to watch this too here in a second. 50 years. <laughs> You're here. But there is some commotion behind the stage. It was Big John Wayne getting ready to assault me. And he had to be held back by six security men to prevent him from doing so. When I left... John Wayne wanted to assault this woman. I heard some comments from the people back there. And it was... And the tomahawk chop. Little Feather, who was blacklisted by Hollywood after the 1973 ceremony. If you had, you might have avoided hurting your grandfather's feelings. Spent most of her life advocating for Native American people. We are portrayed as, as ignorant uh, savages, uh, uh, most definitely in most of the film's mm-hmm. past, and still at present. And uh, mm-hmm. our image has been one of a drunk or... Or, or one of a, of a lesser secondary citizen. And I feel that, you know, to that audience that night, that I wanted to tell them that we did have this stereotype mm-hmm. and uh, that they were going to, in some way, have to open up their minds and their hearts and begin to understand. You didn't call it activism back then. I just did things that were courageous that I thought that I had to do. And that developed character. Rest in power, ma'am. Let's watch the speech from the Academy Awards 
in its entirety. This was Marlon Brando, also a badass. Sent her up there to decline the award for The Godfather. I learned a great deal from a director named Ingmar Bergman. Often to be most eloquent is to be silent. You're quite right. Uh, The film we've just seen has said it all. I think we should uh, say that those nominated for the best performance by an actor are... Marlon Brando in The Godfather. Michael Caine in Sleuth. Laurence Olivier in Sleuth. Peter O'Toole in The Ruling Class. Paul Winfield in Sounder. The winner is... Marlon Brando in The Godfather. Accepting the award for Marlon Brando and The Godfather, Miss Kathleen Littlefeather. Did not accept it. My name is Sasheen Littlefeather. I'm Apache, and I'm president of the National Native American Affirmative Image Committee. I'm representing Marlon Brando this evening, and he has asked me to tell you in a very long speech, which I cannot share with you presently because of time, but I will be glad to share with the press afterwards, that he very regretfully cannot accept this very generous award. And the reasons for this being are the treatment of American Indians today by the film industry, excuse me, and on television in movie reruns, and also with recent happenings at Wounded Knee. I beg at this time that I have not intruded upon this evening and that we will, in the future, our hearts and our understandings will meet with love and generosity. Thank you on behalf of Marlon Brando. Now that, ladies and gentlemen, is kicking authority in the balls. He's kicking authority in the balls. She... Kicked authority in the balls. The Academy apologized to her, and also props to Marlon Brando. The Academy apologized to her almost 50 years later. Here is her at that event. historic event, that the event. Motion Picture Academy celebrates Native Americans and issues a long-awaited apology. A Native American artist, or activist rather, is finally redeemed and honored after a cringe-worthy event at the 1973 Oscars. Fox 11's Hal Eisner was with Sashin Littlefeather this week. I thought this was the entire speech. I'm sorry. I'm an elder now, an Indian elder woman. And even though I've made a lot of mistakes, I've led a good life. Sashin Littlefeather, now 75, reflects on a life that included this at the 1973 Academy Awards. Hello. My name is Sasheen Littlefeather. I'm Apache, and I'm president of the National Native American Affirmative Image Committee. In my heart, I ask the ancestors to pray for me. And I knew 
that they were with me that night. As she refused, as instructed by Marlon Brando, to accept his best actor Oscar for The Godfather. I knew that I was doing the right thing. She called out the way Native Americans were portrayed in movies and treated in this country, and she was booed by many in the audience. I felt a lot of people did not understand. She says she was subjected to insults as she left the stage. And one of them was... And she got tomahawk chops. But it wasn't until now that she's getting an apology and a night honoring her at the Academy Museum. It's never too late for forgiveness. She's right. It's never too late for forgiveness. Quana Chasing Horse is an activist and model and has looked up to Little Feather and watched her video repeatedly for her own strength. She says times have changed and things are better. And I think that's because of her. I think she set that great example to um, speak and be proud. And I had to speak the truth from my heart. And to the Academy for its apology. Thank you. Hal Eisner, Fox 11 News. There you go. Rest in power, ma'am. If you had the Academy Awards, nice. Yeah, we'll cut off Marlon Brando there. I'm sorry, but you'd probably rather see a flamingo chick. You'd rather see a flamingo chick anyway. Orphaned flamingo chicks take daily walks with their keeper, and this video is precious. Look at those babies. Oh, I wonder how soft they are. They look like little poof balls. They make the cutest little noise. Oh my god. So these these are flamingos. They're little baby flamingos. Hi, my name's Izzy. I'm one of the bird keepers at the Cotswold Wildlife Park. And we have two Chilean flamingos that we are hand rearing. So they got abandoned by their parents. So we've taken them off and we're gonna hand rear them. Um, so they're big gray fluffy balls and we feed them about five times a day. Um, and we take them for exercise about two, three times a day to make sure that their legs get big and strong. And then in about two, three months time, hopefully when they're big enough, We'll return them to the lake area where they can join the rest of the group and the parents.
Fluffing cute. If you're watching on Twitch, we're going to go and say hey to my new friend. I went in there and hung out with him the other day. Taller X Live. We're going to go in and let's see if we can get him to take some dabs. And I'll take a, I'll take a bong rip with him. Go ahead, light one up, tip one back. It's all right to have a little fun before you hit the sack. I'm Justin Friggin'. We'll see you tomorrow night on the Troll Patrol, live.